Welcome to the Hot Ticket Podcast. This is episode 105. On this episode, we get a chance to interview our industry friend, Mr. Kevin Newman from Silverleaf Strategies, also known as Mr. K, Special K, K K-Pop, K-Rock, whatever other K name you want to give him. He's pretty much known as everything. This was such an incredible interview and great conversation. He's very insightful. Um, This has been a long time coming. We very much enjoy his company and very much enjoy the back and forth banter and his jovial nature. He's a fucking wonderful guy. So as always, everybody, sit back, listen, and enjoy. He's so cool. I miss him. I miss the whole group. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We had a good time. That was a really good time. By the way, speaking of our good time, but maybe not so good time for what is going on in the DR right now? Why are people dying over in Putacana? I don't know. No, okay. <laughs> I mean, if you want my my natural opinion on this thing, yeah, uh, not not filtered by you know the D- Dominican Department of Travel. Um, I think Americans, they believe that the, the Dominican Republic's just kind of like a, like a little Miami or a little Vegas and they get a little sideways and they don't realize, A, it's another country right? and B, you know, the rules aren't the same. I mean, forget about the laws, just the social mores and the norms and everything we take for granted here in the States is just different right? over there. Yeah. Um, we learned that real fast when we were there. Like uh, the the traffic, I'm like, oh, there's no rules. <laughs> there's no Dude, rules, right? But there it works. No I I literally explained this to people when they were asking about our experience. I'm like, the craziest thing is that there's like no traffic laws and no traffic rules, but it works. It works better than it does over here. People merge in and out of each other all the time. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it takes care of the road rage right away. I mean, yeah, you're not being cut off because the guy hates your guts and wants to murder your family. He's just in a hurry. Right. Yeah. Let him go. Just trying to <laughs> Yeah, it was so it was so strange like the times which were like backing out of places and we back into a, a huge thing of traffic there and were, we're just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there was so many crotch to butt males on males motor scooters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're really yeah, that's <laughs> butt action, dude. It's really weird. The tandem, plutonic. <laughs> the the law enforcement tandem riding with the the guy's got his shotgun shoved up the other dude's rectum. You're like, yep. I don't know if this is the start of a porn or you guys are just out to bust people. I can't Seriously. figure it out. Both, both. That's, that's how the Dominicans like their porn. Seriously sexy. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I had so much fun, dude. I think I think about that trip so often. Not not just because it was like. It's not just because you're in a different place and you're experiencing different stuff, but like just in how it relates to the things that we're very passionate about and being able to experience that and like the factory, it is, I reflect on that experience, I'm telling you, at least probably three or four times a week, I think about it. I do too. Which I don't know if that's unhealthy, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, look, I remember my first trip to Nicaragua, which was my first trip to any cigar factory ever. Um, and I look fondly upon those memories. It was a while ago, but it completely changed. It solidified in my mind, my love for the tobacco trade, for cigars and for the people that are involved with what we do for a living. You know, how much I depend on the people in the fields and in the factories, all the logistics and all the stuff that's kind of boring, but how much I, I really rely on them 
for my livelihood. And it solidified in my mind how interesting and how much of a human endeavor this business really is. We're not selling widgets. We're selling the fruits of labor of 300 hands that touch that tobacco before you are the end user. There's something there. Yeah. It's easy to fall in love with that. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad that we were there for you for that first time. Because I know you're going to go back. I know you're going to go to another factory. I know you're going to go to another country. I know you're going to keep this train rolling. But it's good to have that memory and to share that memory with you and the rest of the crew. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. An invaluable experience for us. And, And like the, even in our discussions with you about, you know, when we talk about, I want to say the, the realization and almost like, like the way a roller rolls a cigar is perfectly imperfect. It's weird. I don't yeah. know another way to explain it, but that's exactly what it is. It's like the little subtle differences in each cigar, even to the degree of like flaws, like are something to not be challenged, but more to be embraced. It's really crazy. It's because it provides a sense of uniqueness to each individual cigar and that, like, it's weird how easily you can attach yourself to that once you've experienced it in person. Because now I'm, I'm, I look at it with, like, a whole different perspective. And although there's times of which we are breaking down cigars and we're critical of certain things, there's always the thing in the back of my mind. It was like, th- like, a guy or a gal is sitting at this table and they are, like, taking this raw product and they are crafting this thing that is an absolute beauty. It's crazy when you think about it, like, from beginning to end. It's nuts. Dude, we learned so much, to be honest. I mean, I did learn that you can't chew on raw, pretty much raw fermented tobacco without getting <laughs> sick and feeling like... consequences a... to that decision. Dude. <laughs> well, the smell of like pure ammonia was enough to make me go, probably not a great idea. And Chris is like, fuck it. <laughs> cool. Let's see. Let's see what's going on. <laughs> Such a Just terrible idea. Dip this, here we go. <laughs> it was super spicy. And it felt like someone shoving a golf ball down my throat. Yeah. Oh, man. But the the rest, oh man, the rest of like just smoking single leaves just kind of rolled that was together. Crazy. That was awesome. Yeah. I was like, can we just yeah. have some of that and right. we can skip the rest of it? Because that's delicious. So cool. You guys were also my first because I think it was the second. Sounds day. very weird when you say that. You were my first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think we smoked nine or 10 cigars. That one day we were, oh, mm-hmm. the day we had pina coladas mm-hmm. and pizza, mm-hmm. fucking nine yeah. or ten cigars. Yeah, that was um, yeah. that was aggressive. It was very aggressive. And I know that's like commonplace for you and for Ram and for other people who work in the factory, but for Chris and I, that was uh, that was nicotine overload, and it uh, certainly created a strong yeah. addiction. <laughs> One of which I'm currently. Yeah, I mean, I'm smoking two cigars right now, so I, you know, I get it. But um, I'm doing my exercises for the trade show IPCPR coming up, so right, yeah. I'll smoke twelve to fourteen each day for Jeez. four or five days. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. That's so. Wait. I mean, every every customer that walks in, you know, hey, you want a cigar? Yeah, I light up a fresh one. You know, sit down for an hour and smoke with them. Nice. Then you know the reviewers come over and smoke cigar mm-hmm. together. The sales folks come over who want to be part of our team, brokers or distributors or whomever, right. smoke a cigar. We go back to the uh, the hotel room, sit in the big tub, you know, kind of let some of that nicotine leach out of the system, throw on a fresh pair of pants, 
you're back at it for the next six hours <laughs> smoking cigars the whole butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... At home, I do not smoke. I go for a run. I go, I get out, I go for my bike. You know, I do stuff that's healthy to try to like offset some of the, uh, the smoking that we have to do yeah. when we're out and about. Right. Yeah. Because you, when you're doing it, no different than we've discussed before going through the blending process, you're challenging <clears throat> your palate and everything else over a long period of time with many, many cigars, many different types of samples and blends and so on. So it's like you're packing in a month's worth of smoking in like a collapsed time period of a day or two. It's true. That's insane. It's true. It, I've yeah, told I mean, people no. that before and they're like, that, it makes them sick when they think about it. They're like, that's, <laughs> but you shouldn't do that as a human. I'm like, well, you know, we push boundaries. That's what humans do. <laughs> we do, for sure. And when you're on the cutting edge of this type of stuff and you want to present something that's the absolute best yeah. to the public, you really do have to run yourself through the paces. Right. Um, it would be unhealthy to do it every day. And I mean, I have ultimate respect for the guys in the factory, guys like Ram, who spend their day sitting down, smoking, really dissecting the cigar, taking it apart, looking at the tobacco, saying, this isn't right. This could be changed. Let's do this instead. Uh, choose that bail, not that bail instead. Right. Because um, that's what he does all day, every day. So crazy. I need that to be I my can't life. Do that. Yeah, that would be rough. Yeah, but rough in like the best way possible. Well, the thing is, is I, yeah. you know, it's just like, um, it, it's, it's like having the same food over and over again. Kind of like you're eating a plate of chicken every day. Yeah, and I, I'd hate that feeling of being burnt out on my own stuff. Like the one thing that I love, that was suck. But that was what was kind of crazy as we were down there. I probably smoked more of those Cimarron oh, Maduros yeah. than I've Same. ever had. Same, yeah. In the course of like a year, I smoked that many in probably a day. Then the and, poppies. And the crazy thing is, is I never got tired of it. I didn't That's either. what was weird. There's certain cigars where I have them enough, I put them down for a while. And I, I just wait for, you know, it's like on to the next thing. I have like a uh, palate ADD probably. And, but that cigar is just like, nope, I can just keep smoking it, and I enjoy it just as much the next time as I did the time before. It's kind of crazy. The box that Ram sent home with me, because he supplied us all with boxes for anybody listening, but um, the Colorados I had were gone in <laughs> 10 days. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, less than 10 days. So we know you as Mr. K. That's how you first introduced yourself to me. You called me. We had a conversation. I didn't really know anything about you at the time. And then, of course, we've become friends over the course of, a, what, about a year and a half? Maybe even a little longer now? Maybe coming up yeah. on two years? Just kind of crazy thinking about it. We know you as Mr. K. You have a real name. I don't know that. I want to tell people your real name. I like to call you Special K because you're special to me. It's not, it's not, a, it's not an R word thing. Not a drug reference. It's, a, <laughs> it's definitely not that. It's not special K drugs. It's not, it's not special K as in your, your Riri. You're, <laughs> you're, just, <laughs> you're just special to us. So that's what I call you. And, but I like that's Mr. Fine. K. But, but your real name is Kevin. So it's, yeah, I'm Kevin Newman. Kevin Newman. And what I, so here's the crazy thing. I know, and you've told us this, all these things you've done in the cigar industry, but people listening right now probably don't know. Some of them may, but most of them don't. Give people your background in the cigar industry. Like You are very deeply entrenched in a lot of stuff in cigars. 
Uh, yeah, I am, uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> um, so actually I started smoking cigars about 21, 22 years old. Um, just like any other guy kind of walked into a cigar shop said, Hey man, give me the strongest, biggest, baddest mother trucker you guys got. And they gave me one and I smoked it while I washed my truck later that day. And, uh, I almost passed out. Because I'm smoking a cigar <laughs> like a badass, you know, bringing in the smoke into my lungs like I know what I'm doing. Oh, um, shit. I had to sit down, actually, put that cigar out, sat down. My head was spinning. Walked back into the shop the next week. The guy already knew. You know, he knew. I walked in and said, hey, thank you so much for that super strong. And it was, by the way, it was a Rocky Patel vintage. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't even, like, that strong. <laughs> and um, the guy says, okay. I said, can you get me something that's uh, maybe a starter cigar? And he laughed, and I kind of like looked embarrassed. And he said, don't worry, everybody does it. Walked me over and started smoking the uh, Oya de Monterey number two, mm-hmm. uh, which was my go-to cigar. I bought, bought it by the box. Um, picked up a copy of Cigar Aficionado on my way out of the cigar shop, and I kind of fell in love with the consumer side of the industry. It wasn't until maybe a couple of years later that I realized that I wasn't the only one who loved this business, uh, even on the consumer side. Uh, I was at the time, I was pretty young, like 23, 24 years old, and I was running a business. And uh, as an entrepreneur, you guys know, it's mm-hmm. tough. It's tough mm-hmm. to drum up sales, especially in the early days. Nobody knows who you are. Uh, and being young is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, especially the type of business I was in, which is high-end, exotic, uh, European, and classic car restoration. So um, I had a customer, I had a client at the time, and he said, hey, man, how's business? I said, business is down. Man, he's a cigar smoker. This was my hookup for all the Cubans that I was getting, the two to three a year that I would get. And he said, okay, um, who are you trying to go after? And I told him who my target was, and he said, all right, well, let me see if I can help you out. He handed me two 30-year-old Upmans from Cuba. You can't even get these things. He had them stashed in his uh, special humidor. And he said, let's do this. Take these cigars, put a little note in there that says, one for you, one for me. I just need 45 minutes of your time. Throw your business card in there and hand that package over to his receptionist let's see what happens now i really wanted to smoke those cigars yeah but i also really wanted the business more i had a small very small young family um had a mortgage truck payment the whole deal i said okay so went over dropped it at the guy's uh receptionist desk two weeks later i got a phone call and a month later i had a contract And it started to dawn on me that this business is more than buy a cigar, smoke a cigar. There's a social aspect to this. There's a community that's around the cigar business. And it really solidified in my mind as we were sitting down and I was sitting with this guy smoking a cigar, who was a doctor, by the way. Um, And he ran an entire hospital system here in Ventura County. And we're talking. And he's not even talking about cars. He's not talking about cigars. He's talking about life. And as I've spent more time in the industry, and we'll get into how I got into the industry, but as I spent more time in the industry, what I've found is the, your, your rank, your station in life, you could be a bum or you could be a billionaire. 
if you're sitting down smoking a cigar and there's a guy next to you, you're going to start talking. Mm-hmm. And you guys may not have anything in common other than that burning tobacco in your hand. But for the next 45 to minutes to an hour, you guys are friends. And I used that approach, that sales, marketing, let me get an appointment with you type approach for the next 10 years in my business. And it was fantastic. I had one of the best businesses. It's so young the way I started. But we would get contracts and clients and other guys in the industry who are maybe twice my age in the you know restoration business were super confused. How does he get all this? How does he do that? Um, it's because I was able to make a connection using cigars, using the, the passion that people have for this business. And I learned a lot from these guys who were sm- cigar smokers for maybe 20, 30, 40 years. Mm. So we had the, that was, I sold the business a couple years later, kept smoking cigars. We had the recession, you may recall. Mm-hmm. Um, by then I finished graduate school. And we uh, started working for a big company. That big company laid me off because they were a huge bank. You may have remembered uh, Countrywide. <laughs> oh, for Countrywide. Yeah, they um, bastards sold off my mortgage to someone who was <laughs> incapable of fucking doing anything with it. That was a pain in the dick. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, make a lot of apologies for these guys. <laughs> so um, I was bumming around, kind of looking what I could do. I had a small side business, you know, trying to keep everything going, bills paid, what have you. And, um, part of my approach to getting business was I'd go out on the Craigslist and monitor and all the other job boards. And I would send out, Hey, you know, I see that you're looking forward to hire this guy in the sales and marketing field. I can do that job as a contractor for a third of the price, you know, just sign me up. I'll give you the, the whole thing. So I was collecting clients that way. And, uh, just happened to send one out to a company called Cretech. Now, they own the largest wholesale distributor in the United States of tobacco products, specialty tobacco, cigars, pipes, that type of stuff. Roll your own. And uh, they took a look at my resume. They took a look at my background. They said, we don't want you as a contractor. We want to hire you full time. So took a look at the opportunity, noticed that they didn't have a sales and marketing department. I said, shoot, man, this could be a great opportunity. Do you guys mind if I keep my side gig going? They said, we don't care. So I came in full time, started running uh, social media for a very small, relatively unknown company, Ventura Cigars. Uh Yeah. At the time, they were, let's say, boring. They had... Three products, Las Ramblas, which nobody remembers. Actually, a very good cigar made by Nestor Placencia. Um, Pura Sangre, which again, another great cigar. Expensive, but good cigar. And uh, Estilo Cubano, which was fantastic. A 90-point rated cigar that sold for like $5.50. Damn. But they were getting no love. The company was kind of, was put together by a guy from General Cigar. He was in his 70s. Uh, he made the company to match his taste preference, what he thought would be good, uh, you know, in a cigar company. And I came in and I started working alongside a, another guy who was uh, running kind of the, the day-to-day business operations. And I said, I think we can turn this thing around and make something different. So within about six months, we redesigned the logo, repositioned the company, launched the new website, and two brand new brands. 
Project 805, made by La Aurora in the Dominican Republic, and Psycho 7, made by Davidoff. Psycho Completely 7. blew up Ventura Cigar. What's crazy about the Psycho 7, well, then even now they have a new release that just recently came out. And what's crazy yep. is that that is probably one of the most recognizable labels you'll ever see on a cigar. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. That, that was purely the intention in fact um i had to fight for that label um they didn't want to do it that the guys in the corporate office they they felt like it was a little too crazy like too flashy um, almost like too um too out there yeah almost like bordering on campy um a little just they didn't like it you know they there's all kinds of reasons and i i asked them i said look you you've charged me with, you know, turning this thing around or they're going to shut it down. Uh, trust me. I've been doing sales and marketing for a long time. I think something different on the shelf would be very helpful. And I mean, it is completely recognizable. You walk mm -hmm. into a, a humidor yeah, and you see cycle seven first on the shelf. You know what you it is. Miss that band. Nope. And it was unique enough that even like cigar aficionado wrote an article on it. Um, alongside the uh, Alec Bradley, uh, was it rare and fine, fine and rare mm -hmm. and a few others, you know, just a big bands group, but that cigar wasn't just about the band. That cigar was trying to break all the rules. Um, you had seven different tobaccos in that cigar, uh, white box, very plain. You open it up and it's crazy on the inside, kind of like a, a wild girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like oh, as soon as like you crack into her, all of a sudden all the crazy comes out. <laughs> Um, boy, do I know about that. <laughs> um, we, you know, we had fun with it and we, you know, from being from California, the companies from California, uh, the brand was, I felt like originally when they started the brand, it kind of was like, they were trying to fake it, you know, like they were Cubans. They had come floated over on Ponga boats with seats in their back pocket. Right. And we just turned it on its head and I said, you know what guys, we're not those guys. We're you know, kind of shaggy white guys from Southern California who smoke the things that we like to smoke and we hope that other people do as well. And that's kind of how I started in the cigar business on the business side of it. I uh, took off, sold a lot of cigars over the course of the next 18 months, um, totally turned around Ventura Cigar, saved a bunch of people's jobs, brought in a bunch of new people, uh, changed how Phillips and Kings sees in pre-tech international sees their uh like what is it their proprietary brands you know their house brands mm -hmm. um but it also had some reverberations across the industry that i was not expecting uh we had a couple executives from altidus uh come into the the boardroom about a year after we had launched psycho and they said you know you guys are helping us to inform how we reposition our brands going forward uh some of the stuff we have is a little older and we want our stuff to look a little bit more modern and you're pulling in that demographic that we want and um see the project 805 which had the Anduyo tobacco in it <laughs> um we launched that in 2013 in 2014 there were three cigars with Anduyo tobacco nobody had put Anduyo in anything mm -hmm. up until we when we did it so that kind of industry respect a little bit of notice a little bit of uh be a wild be out there but also be honest because there's no shortage of 
bullshit. You guys still cuss on the radio, right? Oh, mm-hmm. hell yeah, man. Yeah. Wow, that's fucking awesome. Dude, <laughs> all, there's so much bullshit in this business, you know what I mean? We were just like, hey, guys, this is what it is. This is what we do. We hope you like it, too. Everybody ate it up. And um, by the time I was done with Ventura Cigar, I got promoted to director of marketing over at Phillips & King. I was running a portfolio of nine brands. We were, I think we were clearing about six or seven million cigars a year uh, between all of our stuff. Damn. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's insane. uh, All the way around. So I left Phillips and King uh, last day of the year, 2015, and went off and started my own consultancy, a marketing and sales consultancy for other brands, uh, primarily tobacco brands. But we bring in all kinds of other brands that are outside the United States who want to make a presence in the United States. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a small boutique type brand that you want to get better presence, we, uh, we can also help you out with that. We don't. We try not to take on the big accounts. We don't operate in that way. We work with small brands who want to make a a big splash. Yeah. And the name of your company hasn't changed, right? Silverleaf Strategies, still correct. Still, yeah, still Silverleaf Strategies. There you go. And we know you and your connection. The the way that we met was your connection with El Artista, which is uh, a brand that you spend a lot of time working with, which is. I do. Probably, in my opinion, I, I can't even say it anymore, and I, and, and I know world presence or global presence is a lot different than U.S. presence, but like to me, one of the best hidden secrets in cigars in the United States, in my opinion. They're, and I've said this before, even about like the Big Poppy cigar, like the original Big Poppy, and we'll talk about the Slugger is being released, correct? I kind of want to get into that a little bit as well in that process, but the original Big Poppy, it was like, I remember when that was released and it became like, okay, well, it's out on the market. And I was like, here we go. Another, I, another celebrity had, cigar. Yeah, I was a little bit. I was jaded. super fucking biased towards it like a little bitch. Yep. I was being a little bitch and I shouldn't have been. And I judged. And that fucking cigar is so good. It is out. I literally tell people, I'm like, listen, just don't even worry about like it's. It's a name and it's a brand and there's a band that shows it off. Just smoke the cigar and tell me you don't fucking love it. And it's so goddamn good. Every time I give that cigar to someone, they're like, shit, that is really good. I'm like, I know. And and it's a big Vitola. That's about the only, that's one of a handful of big Vitolas that I actually enjoy with that blend or with any type of blend in the industry. It's incredible. And we got the story about the big pot, like the original, like how many different iterations there was. It's crazy. Mm. That cigar was blended to do exactly what you're talking about, which is to be very attractive right off the bat. It's a middle of the road blend. Was that a the pun? Did you there? <laughs> Did you just make a pun? Citrus. Sorry, I'm a dad. You know these dad jokes come out. Puns are very deep in the back of my brain. I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was it's middle of the road so it's very approachable to mm-hmm. somebody who's a cigar smoker or the occasional cigar smoker right except one or two sticks a year uh the citrus is there the leather is there it's you know what david wanted was a cigar that was reminiscent of being at you know fenway on opening day and these guys nailed it and it wasn't the cigar for sale it was the cigar to give away it was a little piece of the dominican that David wanted to share with his friends, colleagues, people who went to his charity events. 
it was never really intended to go into the marketplace. Um, when he approached us and asked if we wanted to take a commercial, absolutely. You know, we would absolutely want to do that. But it's an expensive blend. And he said, I don't care. I'm willing to take a little uh, haircut on it. I just don't want you guys to, to change the blend at all. Right. So I don't see it as a celebrity cigar in the same way that other guys are out there with their names on a cigar. Mm -hmm. I see it as a celebrity's cigar. It's his blend. It's the way he wanted it. Right. And you're getting a chance as a consumer to really taste something that David was smoking in his private reserve for years. And it is exactly like you guys said. It is the cigar that anybody can pick up and start smoking. Whether you're a fan of baseball or a fan of, you know, his humanitarian stuff or just a fan of Big Poppy in general or a fan of cigars. Pick up the cigar. Give it a chance. Yeah, I, See if you I like it. I completely agree. And I and I love it. So it's really cool for you to be able to relate that because most people aren't going to know that backstory. Like they're not going to know that he's been smoking that blend previous to it coming out onto, you know, the cigar commercial marketplace. He was already enjoying that cigar, like something that it's not like dare I say, and I don't want really Ray Lewis to kill me because I know he's killed someone before, but oh. he, he slapped his name. I mean, there's people who they have their names as associated cigars, no different than like Mike Dicka with the Camacho. And it's like, were they really involved in that process? It's like, you can confidently say about like Big Poppy. It's like, this was his, this is absolutely his cigar. There's not only a relatable connection between him and what the cigar is, but in the fact that it really isn't just this like gimmicky thing, it's, it's a really freaking good cigar. His name's just on it. Like it's, it's really to me is an incredible cigar. It's the reason why I wanted to take back that particular cigar is amongst others. When we were in the Dominican, I'm like, I want to make sure that I have these available because I really like it. Mr. K, I have a question. Um, Yes. When it comes to celebrity-based cigars, do you think it's primarily a celebrity that makes the effort to reach out to a brand to make a cigar, or do you think it's a manufacturer that goes, we want to we wanna do something a little bit different with some type of endorsement, and they go after a celebrity? Um, I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak in my experience. I've been approached, uh, and some of the factors that I've worked with have been approached by agents and the celebrities themselves they want to make a cigar hmm. uh, most of them i turn we turn away i just say no it doesn't make a whole lot of sense um unless they're really a cigar smoker it's gonna feel no matter how passionate they are after the fact it's gonna feel like a gimmick mm -hmm. or right. like a like a pet project uh you know david's been smoking cigars forever he's from the Dominican Republic, it just makes sense. Um, and there's a few others that are out there that I would say yes to if they said they wanted to start a cigar brand. So like Ron White, you know what I mean? Oh that guy's been God. smoking cigars on stage. How in, yeah, I've he's he, him several. He's times. got his own. He's done tequila. tequila. Dude, yeah. the cigars. He's dude. got tequila. Yeah. I fucking yeah, so love Ron White. Ron, I live right up the street, bro, from you. You know what I mean? Just dude, come on by. You I'm should do it. You know, come to the land of Hispanics and strawberries, have a cigar, <laughs> yes. talk about maybe making a brand for you. Dude, that would be um, amazing. There's a, I was actually talking about this with a guy yesterday who has a connection with an old basketball player, which I don't want to say his name because I don't want to out him right now, but 
he's interested in starting a cigar brand. Is it Scotty Pippen? Muncie yeah. Bogues. No. <laughs> <laughs> the tallest this basketball cool player though. versus the that smallest cool. basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> Muggsy Bogues, you're going to make a like Corona. Uh, yeah, a little t- it's like a, a Corona. Like a four by 44. This <laughs> is the Muggsy Bogues. If Muggsy Bogues approached us, I would highly suggest to him to get one of those super colossos. Oh, like yeah. by 11. You know what I mean? Yeah. Use like a cane. Walk around, you know, like come on. That would be so fucking hilarious. That thing would need a like it would need like its own stool for him. <laughs> He'd have to prop it up on something. Maybe like a tripod, like a monopod for it, you know. Um, oh, it's incredible. Sorry. I don't know you, but I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, I think with a lot of celebrities, you know, they're they're always looking to do something cool, fun, different. Um Cigar business is very uh, enchanting. It can be a little intoxicating. And the type of people that are in the cigar business that smoke cigars or sell cigars, guys like you and I, um, who are even on the media side, they, they're all about the same. They're of the same ilk. And it's, uh, it's really attractive to a lot of guys. And it's a, kind of a subculture of its own. And I think celebrities, once they get tapped into that a little bit, they say, hey, maybe I could do this, too. Right. Uh, but that's just not how you approach it. In fact, that's anybody who we talk to on the phone or in person when they want to contract with our services, we vet them. Is this a pet project? You had a little extra money and you want to start a brand or are you serious about this? And if right. they're not serious, then we don't want to work with them. What, what if this? What if Mario There's, Lopez came to you right now from Safe by the Bell and he goes, I want to make a cigar that pays homage to Safe by the Bell and I want it in a Bellicoso and I want to call it Safe by the Bellicoso. Well, I might, I might have to do that just, just for the... I, I may have just the, beat the myself. involved, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that so, would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. So, so, Mr. K, you can't see Chris's face, but I always know when Chris is deep in thought. And I can, I can, on that one for I a can, while. yeah, dude, he's been conjuring that shit up for 10 minutes. <laughs> he wrote it down. He's like, I don't I could see it. As soon as we went celebrities, I was thinking of celebrities who smoke cigars. <laughs> so ridiculous. He uh, he was on the cover of uh, Cigar and Spirits a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Big shout out to Lincoln Salazar and Randy and the crew over there. What's up, B? Um, and he is a cigar smoker. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yeah. there's no doubt he's serious. So if he wanted to do something, yeah, absolutely. I was I was a bigger fan of Zach. Sure. Than Me Slater, too. But at, at the end of the day, like, sure, man, you're he's serious about the industry. Yeah, and they're both fuckable for sure. <laughs> There's no doubt. Yeah. Both handsome gentlemen. Still, dude, Zach Moore still looks good. Yeah, he does. Looks great. <laughs> he's like, he's definitely in his mid-40s now. And dude, he looks fantastic. You know who doesn't look good? Lark Voorhees. Oh, who played yeah. Lisa Turtle. She looks like a sure. fucking train wreck now. Yeah. She looks like she got beat up with a bag of dicks. <laughs> Whoops, did I say that? <laughs> Not there, man. My bad. <laughs> yep. No. Don't nope. take that out in post. Okay? <laughs> I won't. I never bad. take anything out in post. <laughs> We've got to be all authentic. money on the table. We have Hold to be back. authentic <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> no matter the repercussions, we're moving forward. Actually, this is kind of a serious subject. Still on the celebrity thing. You don't have to spend too much time on it. But have you heard from David after the whole incident down there? 
I, I have not heard from him personally, but we've been in contact with, uh, with his people and in general, he's doing okay. Yeah, okay. um, you know, the, the physical wounds will heal and he's on the road to recovery. Um, but, and I haven't, again, I haven't talked to him directly, but I can tell you, uh, I'm sure that the emotional that coming out of this thing, uh, yeah. they're going to last for a while. Super fucked up. Uh, it was such a, yeah. I mean, you never expect something like that, but for David, that was, he was in such a relaxed environment in his hometown at his like favorite place to go to. Um, and it was a shock to all of us. I mean, yeah, it was, it was incredible, incredible, but he is on the road to recovery and he's, he's going to be okay. Yeah. I know the, the last thing that I read was the doctor said he'll make a full recovery and and it's going to, you know, it's going to take time to get there, but they were certain that he would be, you know, physically on the other side of it. Perfectly good. Yeah. Which is fantastic because I heard the, the first initial reports that came out was like he was shot in the leg, but he was confirmed shot in the back. Correct. He was. Yeah, it exited through his low back uh, and exited through his stomach. And then the bullet actually continued to travel and landed in um, in the guy's leg, one of the reporters that he was with, one of the television personalities. Good God. Um, yeah. So have they found the dude yet? And like, is someone yeah. just literally torturing him until he can't take it anymore? Because I assume that's... I, I don't know. Because I, I mean, what I do know is as far as the, the shooter is concerned, uh, he was apprehended by the crowd. Oh, boy. Uh, and he, well, I think he was concussed. The videos that I'd seen, um, there was he was pretty beat up. Yeah, he was getting a royal beat uh, down. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. He deserved every minute of it. Uh, yeah, well, of as course. As far as what goes on beyond that i have no idea um and i try to stay out of it you know david is he's a gem on the island and in the united states of course our focus is just the positive vibes that we're sending towards david uh in fact at ipcpr we're gonna have a a little area in our booth at el artista's booth uh where you can come in and, and send a special message to david oh that's uh, we'll cool do video and we'll do a photo you know get well big poppy mm-hmm. that's the hashtag so we'll be posting up some photos and that's very we're gonna cool. put all this together send it on over to him as I get you know the, what video, yeah you get guys well are great. that's anymore. very cool oh you can do a stand-in you can get half poppy to do a stand-in and just mm-hmm. i thought about it that'd be so incredible <laughs> Oh my god, that would I would die if, if that was the thing. I would die. It would be so incredible. Okay, so let's pivot a little bit. I still want to talk about um, David Ortiz a little bit, but I want to talk about the new Slugger. So how how did that come about? So this is like a recent release. You guys just announced. I know we put the press release on our site. Actually, I think it may have been Thank the day you, that he way. got shot. Weirdly yeah, yeah. enough. Um, I'm excited about it, but I don't know enough about the release other than what I had read that you guys sent over. So what, where did this start? Where did it begin? What was the idea behind it? And tell us as far as maybe plans for IPCPR and post IPCPR as far as its availability. Sure. So, uh, just to get that portion of it out of the way, uh, it'll be available in stores the third week of July. Cool. Uh, we plan to ship, uh, the end of the second to the beginning of the third week of July. Um, we are taking pre-orders right now, but we can't sell anything, uh, complete the sale until at the show, because that's when we've said we're going to do it. Right. Um, the cigar itself will retail uh, before taxes for $12.50. Nice. 
and it is a 60 by 7 a big cigar jesus and christ <laughs> wait is, 60 yeah, by it, it, yeah it's that 7 by 60 yeah. oh my fucking god good lord yeah, it's, a big, it's a big boy that's a donger that's slugger, slugger. <laughs> that is definitely that's, that's a, a slugger can you um, just name the next one donger for us just just as a, <laughs> just for chris and i that'd be great <laughs> i may do that it's making an 8 chris by 80 <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to make it much smaller <laughs> oh um so actually the 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 genesis of this project was uh sometime last year you're sitting with uh with david and you know he smoke he loves the poppy i mean obviously it's his cigar but he's holding it in his hand and i kind of look over and i'm like that's yeah, a it kind of looks like you're holding a corona and he laughed and you know i would like a bigger cigar and so you know uh ram and i ramrod talked about it <laughs> so let's come up with something a little bit bigger and he said absolutely so we worked on a blend. We asked him what he would like. He said, oh, well, I, I want something a little bit stronger. So what we did uh, on my side, on Silverleaf Strategies, is we went out to key retailers, and we have a consumer group that we work with, uh, the list that I've cultivated over the past few years. And they're guys, cigar guys that we trust, and said, hey, we know you've smoked the big poppy. Uh, if we were to do something different, what would you be looking for? And invariably, people said, I want a slightly larger cigar, and we want something with a little bit more power. So Ram, I give full credit to Ram. He went, took our master blender over at Artista uh, and sat down and just started working on blends. And I went down, say, the first quarter of this year, the factory, and we smoked five different blends we keyed in on two broke them down rebuilt them went back to the rolling tables continued to work on something and i i kept showing them this is the data they want something with a little bit more power or something with a like slightly different flavor something that stands out so what we ended up with was <clears throat> a very well-balanced cigar using a little bit of that dominican negrito that adds some power a little bit of spice keeps that leather in it that big poppy wanted originally we wrapped it in a san andres maduro and filled it with tobaccos that are super flavorful i mean to the point where it's like how is the big poppy going to stack up against the slugger right and the way we understand it and the way that people have been enjoying it is you know big poppy is a great morning smoke or a lunchtime smoke it's middle of the road medium cigar slugger it's more powerful and it lasts longer so let's say your you know, your evening cigar you sit down with a nice glass of port or a good craft beer and enjoy that hour and a half to two hour long smoke uh it is incredible and we've we shipped out samples to retailers you know prior to the show it's kind of how uh, my company works with these brands and the feedback we've been getting has been incredible. Awesome. <clears throat> People's, you know, there's, hey, we're going to, we have room for a big poppy, but we're going to shove some stuff over and put Slugger right next door. So hopefully uh, we get some good market penetration. Yeah, that's awesome. Sounds like my type of cigar. I like the symbolism of what the cigar is represented in, in the product that you use in it and the name. That's cool. I mean, there's, that's, I like that connection. The Slugger, it's, it's more meaty. That's, I think that's, really cool that you guys landed on a name that's actually representative of what the cigar is. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. 
Yeah, I mean, he it really is him. I mean, in, in the end, it's it's Big Poppy all the way around. Right. And we did a uh, he was I was with him at the factory uh, two weeks ago, right before uh, his accident. And uh, we did a, a Dominican press conference. Now, I don't speak Spanish. I mean, I speak enough to get into trouble, but not enough to get out. But I was part <laughs> of this press conference and. Uh, Big Poppy was there talking about the cigar for the Dominican press. And he said, I, I really wanted a cigar that fit my hand. And this cigar fits my hand and it fits my palate. This, this cigar is not just Big Poppy. This is the David Ortiz cigar. I think that was a nice and, you know, yeah, uh, endorsement for the brand and for what El Artista can do. Dude. Yeah. I like it. I, I like the idea. I like the idea of of capitalizing on an already good cigar and making another cigar that is going to have its variations and differences, but also still kind of be created in that um, what I want to call it. I think there's been so much good in terms of like the big the original Big Poppy release, like making sure that they stay connected, but then there's also the slight variance. And this is like another iteration of, or an evolution off of is awesome. I'm excited to smoke it. You've hyped it so much now that I'm pissed. I don't have any in front of me because it sounds wonderful. And it's so weird too. Cause Chris is, say, Chris is saying earlier, like larger ring gauge cigars, typically not our favorite. I've been smoking much more larger ring ring gauge cigars recently for whatever strange reason. I don't know why and I'm really enjoying them. And then I'm looking I'm looking at the press release right now and I'm like, I want one. I want one of these. I love the logo too, man. The logo yeah, is great. killer. Is killer. I Thank you. I do want to pivot again because this is something that I'm really excited about and that's the Buffalo Tent. So you guys yeah. announced that release, which and I don't know why Chris and I talk about this so much because it's really not relative to the cigar itself, even though people recognize it and there's a reason they recognize it. And there's a reason people keep putting bands on cigars. I fucking love the yeah. label on the cigar. Yeah. I, it's simplistic, but I fucking love it. I, every time I looked at it, I'm like, God, I love that. The simplicity behind it is amazing. So tell me about this cigar because you had just mentioned in the, um, in the big poppy, using and i think you're using it as a binder in this one too that negrito right Correct. that's part of the binder Correct. for this particular blend and you say you have blended tobacco from the u.s what is it pennsylvania u.s what is it yeah it's a little bit of u.s broadleaf okay cool and then columbia yeah. and then of course the dominican from lrt uh -huh. stuff with that t13 um so we've been working on buffalo 10 the concept for buffalo 10 for about a year now uh, Jesus. Silverleaf Strategies, my company, put uh, the packaging together, the concept, the, the positioning, all the P's of marketing. Um, we put it together. What we wanted to do was really show off the strength of the LRT step right. <clears throat> Their strengths, because they've been around for almost 65 years. Yeah. Now. Their strengths are tobacco. Right. Pure and simple. No flash, no pomp and circumstance. It's just tobacco. They grow, they're the largest leaf grower on the island in the Dominican. They also grow a ton of acreage in Ecuador, but they trade with everybody. The chances are your listeners right now, if they have some cigars at their house or if they're smoking a cigar, uh, God willing, chances are maybe one in three of those cigars has some of El Artista's tobacco in. We sat down and I said, Ram, <clears throat> I want a cigar. 
that not only demonstrates the strength of what you guys can do as far as uh, quality of tobacco, quality of construction, but I also want to demonstrate what you guys can do at a price. Right. Because there's a lot of $8 cigars out there. There's a lot of $10 cigars out there. And typically from the boutiques, you kind of expect like an eight to ten dollar mm-hmm. cigar. Of course, every time. Yep. <clears throat> El Artista is different because they're not just a boutique. They're the largest boutique cigar uh, coming out there. Hands down. They have the factory, they have the fields, they have the hands that are making these cigars. I said, let's do something that uses the materials you guys have on hand, but something that really gives a lot of flavor and a huge value to the end user. So, <clears throat> sorry, I got a little frog right. in my throat here. You're good. <clears throat> so, if we put it into a box, that would have it would have cost more money. If we put on a really expensive band with a lot of design and foiling and gold dust and all that stuff, it would have added a lot more to the cost of the cigar. So, we wanted something that was simple, something that stood out, and we wanted to give consumers options. So, you can come into the shop. You can buy a premium cigar at $4.95, the Buffalo 10. Pick it up off the, out of the tray, because you sell it in a 40-count tray. Pick it up out of that tray for 5 bucks. You're going to get a cigar that smokes like a $10 cigar for $5. Hell yeah. Or you can buy the 5-pack. And then that's where your savings really happens, because you're going to get 5 cigars for four fifty dollars a cigar in that paper wrap pack. So think about this. You're getting these premium tobaccos from all over the world in a package that fits right in your you know, chest pocket here if you're wearing a, a collared shirt or put it in your jacket pocket for $4.50 a cigar. All long fill, premium tobaccos grown by the Dominicans, grown by Colombians, grown by all the people that make a difference in the cigar business. And we're delivering it to you for a price that you might expect a kind of a cheap knockoff or a uh, a bundle cigar for right. Uh-huh. It's are an you, incredible blend. Are you sweet, spicy, flavorful? Sorry, I, I'll get off the soap. No, no I was going to say cigar. <laughs> are, wait, you just you just mentioned something that that uh, prompted me to ask this question. Are you concerned at all about the pricing maybe appearing to be low? Or are you thinking this is a proof of concept cigar? Like, trust us, this thing smokes amazing, and you're getting a hell of a deal. There is that concern, um, but I wanted to hit the sub $5 price point to the point where we're actually taking a little bit of a hit on our margin. Sure. Um, and I don't typically suggest that to a client, but I said, this cigar is so good. Let's give it a chance at $5 Yeah. because we have to have, we have the consideration of the store as well. The retailer who's in there, he needs to make some money and move sure. these sticks, but what we want to offer to the consumer is, you know, maybe that entry level consumer or the guy who smokes on a daily basis and is looking for something a little bit different. We wanted to offer them that premium quality experience at a, at a value price point. Um, could we sell the cigar for $7 and 50 cents? Absolutely. The cigar itself supports that price tag, but they can only smoke one at that price. You're going to give right. them an opportunity to smoke two for under 10 bucks. Yeah. And that's not something that most cigar companies can get away with. Definitely uh, can. It just does not exist. You have You're, to be direct manufacturer, really, even, mm-hmm. to, even get close to that price point. So, yeah, I mean, they've done so much good work, guys, and they have, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it, factory, farms, 
they own the logistics train and the distribution. So there's no middleman. The only guy in the middle that's taking money is Uncle Sam. And he hits us at the port, at the port when the cigars come in (laughs) and everywhere else. I mean, the cigar and the quality of the tobacco really does speak to El Artista's strengths. Now, what's great about the Buffalo 10 that I absolutely love and I fell in love with when we were doing the blend is two of the tobaccos, the Negrito and the T13, come directly from the farms at El Artista. Yep. Yeah, the that's Negrito, awesome. the story behind Negrito, I love it. And remember, I'm not a I'm not a bullshit guy. Like if it wasn't true, I wouldn't say it. The Negrito was a a type of tobacco that they used back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. But because it's a kind of a low yield crop and it's hard to work with, and it had never been hybridized or weatherized for changing climate or soil conditions, it just fell out of favor. They stopped using it. Uh, about seven or eight years ago, Ram was going through the recipe cards from his grandfather's time when he first opened up the factory over 60 years ago. And he kept seeing Negrito, 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 and all these different recipe cards. So he went to an agronomist. Do you know what Negrito is? And the guy goes, yeah, we've got the seeds right here. Would you like to try some? Mm-hmm, so they planted damn. about an acre of it. And they smoked it. And it was something completely different. Nothing like anything you see out there in the marketplace today. It's got that I've talked about it, but it's got that leather. Um, it's a little bit thicker, so it you know it burns a little bit longer. It's a slow smoking type of tobacco, but it adds a spice, an exotic type of sweet spice. It's not jalapeno, it's not cayenne, it's not black pepper. It's something totally different that I can't really put my palate on, but I can tell you. It's just not like anything you've smoked before. Do you know it? So if, if, if let's say someone were to put that in a cigar, in a blend that you had not already previously been a part of, would you recognize it in the blend? Probably. If it's a, if it's dominant, uh, in there, Um, I'm not that advanced in my palate to be able to pick it out of say a lineup of five or six tobaccos right but i can tell you if you you know those little chiquitos that we smoked when we were down at the factory mm-hmm. you guys are making your own cigars if somebody handed me one of those absolutely right off the bat yeah like, yeah that's that's negrito the um the aromatics the t13 similar but different um it's their own tobaccos it's a hybrid that they've put together of three different tobaccos with San Vicente being the most dominant. Now, if you know anything about San Vicente, it's floral, it's sweet. It's, um, it's not a very powerful tobacco, but it adds a lot of character to a cigar. When you combine it with the Negrito, you got the power and a little bit of earthy sweetness from the Negrito and that floral almost blueberry fruitiness that comes from the T13. When you combine those two things, it's a, it's, it's a dream. I mean, it really yeah. is. It's, it's unlike anything you've ever smoked before. And that's yeah. what's in the Buffalo 10. That's awesome. Hell yeah. So I've got to ask this question. I'm very excited about that cigar, but I noticed in some of the images that were sent over on the cigar that on the Buffalo 10 packaging, Maduro is specifically circled right next to Connecticut and natural. So are there going to be other iterations of this blend long-term? Yes, uh, we have some sales targets that we want to hit, but if it takes off like I believe it will, uh, then yeah, absolutely. We'll go back to the drawing board and come up with another $5 cigar that you guys can get at retail, buy along right, ne- right next to it. Hell we, yeah. 
the way my company works is we're always thinking like beyond this year, you know, beyond the calendar. We're trying to think five, ten years down the road. Right. When you have a hit on your hands and it's an unexpected hit um, and you haven't planned for it, it can be a little bit hard to pivot. But if you kind of build the roadmap ahead and say, this is how we want to do it. This is where we expect this brand to go. Makes it a lot easier to bring something into the pipeline. So the the answer to your question is absolutely. We want to come out with, in the future, maybe two years from now, come out with another cigar, whether it be a natural or Connecticut, that's similar but different. Adds another dimension to the Buffalo tent. Very cool. I think the natural suit in my fancy now that I think about it. A natural. Oh god. Yeah, I I I love the idea of building, like especially for the long term. And I love how you say that. You really start thinking about a year, two year, three years, all the way to five years down the road, and actually building like a a sub brand within a brand, right? Like the different iterations of what Buffalo Ten could be long term. Thinking ahead in, in that manner, I think, is always awesome. And I think the people who do that well do it very well. As long as everything is detailed out the way it needs to be detailed out. I love seeing different iterations. And sometimes it's just as simple as, okay, we're changing everything in the innards is the same, but we're changing the wrapper type, you know, or Mm -hmm. we're using the same name, but we're changing the blend completely, Uh as you said, you may be doing. So I think that's really cool. And I'm excited about this cigar because when I saw the price now for me, and I asked the question, are you concerned about the lower price? But I know, and this is just because I've smoked El Artista cigars and I know the quality of product. It's cool because we've been there. We've seen it. You know, you can talk about it all day long, but it's like when you experience and see it, it's like, you know, there's no sacrifice in quality, anything being made there, nothing. None. And, and it's, so that's incredible to me. Cause I look at it not as a oh man, this is going to be a restrictive line because of the price. It's like, no, you're just getting a really fucking good value and you're getting something that is made to the highest quality. You're just happening to pay a lower price point than what you would in some of these other boutique type cigars that, like you said, are upwards of $10. Yeah. Correct. It's freaking cool. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> it's really fucking cool. It's ex- that's so exciting. So are, between like this and the Slugger... And what other lines? Like, what what are the plans for IPC Bar? What are you guys intentionally showcasing? It's just those two items, uh, okay. which is actually a lot for uh, El Artista, you know, smaller brand like we are as far as our U.S. presence goes mm-hmm. and our, our private, you know, our own stuff. Um, it's a lot. You know, it's expensive the, to launch a new brand in the United States is upwards of a hundred thousand dollars just to get it out into the marketplace um so you know to do two back-to-back like that at at the same time at ipcpr is a lot for any brand right um so that's what our focus will be for the next year we'll continue to push that uh we really hope that it fits in our lineup really well Uh, again the retailers have told us this is the perfect price point this is the right packaging and we think it'll do very well Uh, Going forward, maybe next year, we've already started talking about rebranding a few of the lines that, you know, maybe have gotten a little long in the tooth, possibly re-blending something or two. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, trying to keep everything fresh and modern while at the same time respecting the fact that it's been in the marketplace for, you know, upwards of 10 years in some cases. Right. But we will never, and this is the conversation I've had with Ram, I don't ever want to come out with something, whether it be a, a refresh or a brand new brand, 
that isn't something that we're proud of. I don't want to rush it for the sake of getting it to quote unquote to the show which right. is where a lot of people launch stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd rather sit back and talk about how we can do things better for the next year because on our plans, we did have like three or four different things. We were going to come out with some refreshes, this and that, and the other thing just didn't make a whole lot of sense for LRTs at this point. And, you know, the consumer needs a chance to try it, and the retailer has a a chance to adjust. We're not the only ones coming out with new stuff. There's all, like CPR is the land of new brands. So um, most of those things don't last more than a year. If you've taken a look at our portfolio, what you'll see is everything that we've launched, we've held on to. Very few things have we skew rationalized away. Uh, We haven't dropped anything from our line. Um, And that's because we take it low and slow. We really aren't in it. You know, El Artista is not in it for the money. You know, they make cigars, not money. They just want to do it right. They want to do it well. And Ram sees a long-term play for El Artista cigars. And I'm right there with them to help them out. Right. Yeah. And I, it's, it's, it's weird, like hearing you articulate that as, as much how I think about things, like making sure that you're calculated and methodical um, while still being able to present something. And I've seen just in the recent weeks and you know, it's, I was, Chris and I were laughing about it earlier as challenging as it's been for me to update our site. What seems like a literal every 10 minutes with new press releases on brands, releasing stuff. And there's some of these brands, it's like they're bringing seven, eight new things to the market. And I'm like, holy shit. It's, it, it to me seems very overwhelming and almost like you said, and, and I'm not, I'm I'm only making an assumption, but I'm not being overly critical because I don't know. But it seems like things are being produced to rush. It's like it's this is what needs to be represented, and damn it, if we don't hit this this particular time on this new thing, even if it's not fully cooked, it just seems like there's a lot of pressure to make sure that all this stuff comes out at all this time. And I understand the show represents a platform for people to bring new things to the market, but there's certainly instances that I've seen in the recent few weeks where it was like, God, that seems like a little miscalculated and a little rushed where some of them, they definitely feel more methodical and they, they feel strategic like what you guys are doing. So I think you get both of that. And I think, you know, it's, you're always going to have that represented before the show, but I love that approach. I think that approach is, it's, it's hard to dispute that that's like the way to go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Funny thing about the cigar business, and I've worked with a lot of different factories, but they always forget IPCPR is coming. So, you know, they'll sit down maybe in January, February and say, hey, what do you want to bring out at the show? (laughs) And then it is rushed, whether it be the design or the blend or the box. Yeah. It ends up being rushed. Um, Right. And I've been in that position before, and it's not a comfortable position to be in. So I'm more thinking, I'm already working on blends for 2021 today. You know, we have a couple blends. One of them is called the Mr. K, not the name I gave it, but the factory gave it. What? Um, is that what? The so the end cigar will not be that way. Okay, okay. That's what I was going to uh, say. Dude, first of all. It's the working name. No, no make it the permanent the name. name. Mm-hmm. Make it the permanent name. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, this is my job of convincing you right now that you need to have a Mr. K cigar. Yeah. I've said this for two years now. I've literally, you have to have your own cigar, dude. Uh, if I came out with a cigar, it would be dirty, 
short, ugly, just like me. You know what I mean? Anything else would be a problem. Maybe a shaggy foot because of the beard. But shaggy at the end of the day, foot. Nobody would like it, just like me. You know, so what's the point? Bullshit. Cheap, You're my favorite, man. Cheap. And if you had a man bun, put a pigtail on I it. was telling, so I was telling Chris... <laughs> I was telling Chris right before we started the show, I felt usually I'm, I'm not nervous, but I'm usually restricted in the way that I talk to people because if I don't know them and we're interviewing them for the podcast, you know, there's sensitivities around that. And I felt really comfortable going into this and was really looking forward to it without any nerves or anxiety. I'm just like, dude, we're going to have such a fun conversation. I fucking love this guy. It's going to be so great. It's like, it's like, it feels like the conversation is natural, which I love. And so I like the fact that we can have this non-pressure jovial and I don't have to mind my P's and Q's. Like there's certain people we talk to and I'm like, dude, if I fucking make fun of the Masons, oh shit, uh, we're, <laughs> what's going to happen? <laughs> we're past the facade of this. Yeah. It, and I love the guy. He's great. And he is so fucking hilarious, which I was just like, oh really man, is. I called. And he's a crack up dude. He, yeah. he really is, but I didn't know that because I, I was like, uh, what you're doing seems very culty. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and then he just started laughing. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. And he loved it. And I was like, oh, shoot. But it's cool to like have, I've been looking forward to this conversation probably more than I've looked forward. And I, and I mean this sincerely than most that we've had on the podcast just because we've had a chance to spend time together. We know each other. I know how you think, which is really cool. You think really similar terms to us, but you have way more experience, which I love drawing upon your knowledge. I mean, I oh, don't yeah. know how many questions I asked in the Dominican. It was probably, I'm assuming there's a point to where like you or Ram were probably thinking like, dude, shut the fuck up with the questions. God damn. Not at all. But I'm, all. That's why you were there. That's I loved it. you out. It was amazing, man. I, I, oh God, that was like the experience of a lifetime. We, we danced together. We uh, yeah, sang, sang Queen together. Um, we had uh, a sea of prostitute sharks circling our table at the mm-hmm. hotel. Mm-hmm. I may have mm-hmm. saw a vagina or two. <laughs> It's quite, yeah, it's quite that, possible. That we splashed a couple of times. That's how long with teeth, dude. We saw, <laughs> we saw the Venus flytrap. We saw the good, yeah, bad, and indifferent side of DR. That was, that was probably one of the craziest things for me was the amount of humble thinking that came out of that. Because when Ram, I, I remember, I think we were in the SUV on the drive back, um, and we were talking about like life for a majority of of dominicans on the island and he was like yeah so i think this is the number he said like 80 percent of you know people on this island are like middle class to like you guys but they live in these things and and it's basically just concrete block like huts basically mm-hmm. with no front doors and like aluminum roofing and it's just like that's like a majority of it and i was like dude and here we got we're back in the U.S. and we got a bunch of entitled pieces of shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking crazy. It sure. was so eye-opening, man. Yeah, I, and it, but it was like I loved every bit, like every second of it, though. Yeah, it was really incredible. To me, it's fascinating. I do a lot of travel. I travel a lot domestically, but I do a lot of international. You know, I go down to the Caribbean a lot. Um, and yeah, I know Americans don't typically travel outside the U.S. Uh, I mean, just even kind of like which, how we started the conversation, like what's going on in the Dominican Republic? Well, mm-hmm. you know, the United States isn't 
the end all be all. You really need to get outside these borders and go see how other people experience life. Yeah. And yeah. one that was one of the things that Ram and I spoke about when we came up with the concept of the Tourado. Uh, the Tourado, I mean, anybody can go down to the cigar factory and see Santiago or see Tamboril, and that's typically where they stay. You know, they don't usually get into the back of the country. But what I wanted to do was really show off what who Ram is and where he likes to hang out and who he is, because he is truly a Dominican guy. Mm-hmm. And you guys got to see a little bit of life on the island outside the city. You know, the, the population that makes up the majority of that island, they don't live in Santo Domingo or Santiago. The day-to-day kind of guy, the work-a-day guy, he's living kind of like how you described. Yep. And there is so much humility and so much good and so many great people that live in the DR who live in Nicaragua or Honduras or any of the other places that I've been. You don't really get to know their story or see their life. And we wanted to demonstrate Ram's love goes beyond the cigars. He has a huge heart for the people. Um, and you know the way that they treat the people in the factory, the way they treat the people in the fields, uh, they're kind of like family. And El Artista really is a family business run by families. Um, you know, you got the Rodriguez family who runs that, but you know, it's not it's not uncommon to see somebody whose son is working in the factory right alongside him or yeah, daughter. Right. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys picked that up because that was part of the theme of the Torado, you know, get outside the factory, really experience the Dominican and some of the hidden gems. I mean, we went to El Cabito, mm-hmm. which most Americans have never been there. It's fantastic. Dude, it was Good crazy. Food, incredible views. I didn't want to leave. Dude, I didn't either. That place is fucking magical. Yes, it was. <laughs> oh my Lord, <laughs> yeah. man. That was so freaking unique and cool. I try explaining, and it's difficult to articulate. It's hard to articulate a feeling, right? There's only so many words you can use. But it was like when there's certain places that you go, and in particular, you're at the top of this. We're in the side of a mountain. Like, what? A cliff. And there's this tiny restaurant that makes great drinks. That and Anthony this, Bourdain cooked that once. Yeah, like amazing yep, food. Yep. You're literally have to drive two miles up a fucking bumpy ass road. We got lost twice. Rams and, SUV getting scraped up the side. Yeah, he doesn't it's like give a shit in the middle of nowhere. It was hard for me to explain to people where I was and how I felt when I was there, and more expressive of the feeling and less about the visual. I felt like you feel so amazing and you feel so comfortable and almost overwhelmed with positive energy when you're in a place like that. It's, it's indescribable. It's so I could have just, I wanted to just sleep there. Like, I'm just like, I'm just going to stay here for the night. You guys go do your thing. I'm going to hang out with the goats and yeah, there you, was goats. You just pick mm-hmm. me up tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. It'll all be good. It was fucking amazing. I must've sat on the edge of that cliff for like five to 10 minutes. Yeah, I thought you were going to go over. I was going to push you over there for a second, but (laughs) (laughs) just so cool. I know. God damn it. That would have been funny. You know what I always think about when like pushing people into water or pools is like not the act of doing it. I didn't really care about how high, high, how high up we were because he'd be fine. It's the fact that the cell phone's in your pocket. That's what gets me. I'm like, I don't want to ruin someone's fucking phone. Did you see the climb up there though? Yeah. Oh, I saw it. 
getting back and stuff. That's yeah. that was what the yeah. I'm thinking that. Did, 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 I mean, I remember looking over to the right and there was that girl literally at our height on the side of the cliff fishing. I'm like, what in fishing. the fuck yeah. is she doing? And how did she get there? <laughs> Dude, it was wild. Pretty incredible. Yeah, that that whole freaking experience was. Man, there's again, I think about it frequently and there's things that like even in my head down to like the guys rolling the cigars and you just mentioned it as far as people being part of family and how well they're treated. It's like going into that space and seeing that production and not just the production itself, but just how open and warm and receptive people were. I mean, to the point where we're blending our own cigars and thank God these people had patience. I was like dude, I suck ass at this and thank you for your patience and understanding why I'm learning through this process. Dude, they were great. And always it, a yeah. smile on their face. Like, it's like, holy shit. And the man. language barrier. We somehow got through that. Yeah. It's a lot of nods and pointing. Yes. And hand holding <laughs> to like get you to. Yeah. I'm like, I don't right. know what you're saying, but I felt like, uh, uh, what's his face in, um, uh, we, where he dies, but they do the pottery together. What movie is that? Ghost. 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 Yeah, I felt like that. Where I'm sitting down and I'm Demi Moore, and and like the rollers behind me, He's like holding, holding my hand. hands, like behind me while I'm crafting a cigar. It'd be even better if he started holding your waist. Oh God! <laughs> so, slow music starts playing. Oh dude, yeah, that would have been incredible. that would have been amazing next time there's always a next time that's true so uh mr k where are you going to next where's where's your next international trip uh let's see so i'll probably end up in uh, germany towards the uh the beginning of the third quarter okay so the way it works in the united states is the first couple months of the year we spend kind of seaming up the the brand the blend getting all things set um contracting to get the bands and the boxes and all that stuff together and uh my company we sit down and we will build the roadmap for promotions and sales and marketing all, all that stuff and i do a lot of international travel at that time and then right after the show we go on the road show we basically fill the trunk up with cigars and go from shop to shop to shop to spread the good news. Kind of like, you know, Johnny tobacco seed. Right. And we're out there selling, selling, selling for the next three months. And then we uh, take off and we go to Intertobac, which is in Germany. It's in Dortmund. And it's kind of like IPCPR in a way it's a tobacco show, but they also have, um, you know, hookah and vape and cigarettes. They have all kinds of stuff. Sure. A large trade show for the European market, and we'll spend a couple weeks over there again on the road show, going from shop to shop to shop, hanging out. And then in between, then I'll probably end up in the Dominican, uh, maybe Nicaragua. Uh, got some guys on the line that don't want to take their brand to the next level, it's a small brand, cool. And um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my life. And we just travel through about the middle of December, we'll do another tour with a whole new group of uh, guys. Nice. New set of victims. It's uh, good to be the first, December, though. December. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? Yeah. And you guys are charter members now, um, and then that'll be it for you know the rest of the year. But yeah, I mean, the next three months, my schedule is completely blocked out. It's just a lot of domestic. You know, all the different cities all over the country trying to get into the shops and spread the good news. And 
you know, this is part of it, you know, being on the radio with you guys, being on the podcast. But at the same time, I love doing this. I like talking with you guys. Yeah, it's, it's always awesome. a crack up. It's always fun. And um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's my schedule, man. That's <laughs> it sounds nuts. It does. Um, I do. So in terms of where you guys are going in the U.S., are there specific geographies that you're concentrating on, like East Coast, West Coast, like far East Coast, West Coast? What's what's the plan of um, as far as shops visiting? So because of our association with uh, David, we tend to do very well in the, in the Northeast and the Southeast. Right. Um, a lot of guys in the South in general really like our cigars. Uh, the, the Texas market is its whole own market. Uh, big shout out to Jeff over at three R cigars. He's nice. going to do a pre-book with us for Buffalo 10 and slugger. Um, but uh, yeah, that's pretty. That's primarily where we do the most business. Chicago's been a little rough for us to try to get in over there. Uh, West Coast, you know, it, it's hit and miss. California is a huge market, but mm-hmm. it's prohibitively expensive with the taxation Ugh, out here. So bad. Yeah, that's like sixty-five or sixty-eight percent, man. It's crazy. Fucking unreal. Uh, the consumers are the ones who feel it. Um, yeah, and what sucks is, is you guys are bringing out this. Uh, seemingly amazing blend of a cigar that you've got at a very competitive price point. Things like tax make it prohibitive to buy. That's so fucking, yeah. it's silly to me. Anyway, I'm going to get off that soapbox. It's another reason why I wanted to price B10 or Buffalo 10 at a, at a nice, comfortable price point. Because sure. I know in California, that $5 cigar is going to sell for 8 bucks. Exactly. Yep. You know? And Which so is still manageable. $8 cigar you can get in California. Right, yeah. right. It's still, it, that's still manageable. It's when you get a $10 cigar that's now hiked to 13 14 bucks. where you're like, Jesus Christ. Which is... Yeah, I mean, I, I bought an Oliva oh, for about $15 that I could get. Holy shit. Seven bucks. Yeah. That's fucking unreal. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, it's a good cigar. Don't get me wrong. It is, but Jesus. It's hard to pay that price. No shit. Good God. Oh that's nuts. When you... When you consider there's 40 million people who live in California, mm-hmm. you know, all the shops that are around here, the little shops have had to close down because they just can't keep the doors open. Right. So they're going to the larger shops, which is fine. But even those larger shops, they're having a hard time keeping the, the doors open and the lights yeah. on because, you know, guy, instead of buying two or three cigars, he's buying one. Yeah. That's such a bummer. That really makes me sad. I mean, they, they continually, from a state perspective, they continually try to raise the tobacco tax in Ohio. And I'm like, just just stop it, please. At least keep it manageable, for Christ's sake. Once you start paying $15 for an $8 cigar, it's like, come on, what in the fuck are you doing? It's, it's like you're like intentionally trying to drive out this awesome industry for what is like no reason. It, I, I still can't fathom it. Because you'll, you'll take your cigarette tax all fucking day long. But, yeah. And you'll, you'll want to keep that open because as soon as that's in any way, shape, or form, as soon as that's harmed, you're going you're gonna to do something to pivot to make sure that it stays around. But it's like, it seems like cigars is just a, it's a different beast. It's just a whole different animal, which is frustrating. But again, that's a whole other fucking topic that will make me angry. Yeah. It should just be yeah, I mean, we get We get beat up all kinds, the cigar business. But at the end of the day, man, I mean, it's a hobby, not a habit. Guys right. right. Smoke cigars, have a good time, nice conversation. Right. From bums to billionaires, doesn't matter where you go. Oh, I like that. From bums to billionaires, dude. That is, did you do, is that you? Is that your marketing? Because mm-hmm. that's fucking good. <laughs> no, no, I have to actually give credit to uh, Rick Lair over at Malibu Cigar. That's uh, his tagline. That's good. Literally, you sit in his shop for a couple hours, you will see bums walking in and billionaires rolling up in their right. you know, cane zig. Right. So, yeah. I've, yeah, I've that's, said, that's Rick. 
I've said that before. I was. I remember being at a shop smoking one time where I was sitting across from a mailman who just like finished his route, and then there was another guy that had just recently pulled up in a brand new Maserati, and those two guys were talking to each other for almost two hours. It was. I was like, bars and stars are off. Like any sort of any sort of social status, it ended when you walk through the doors, and it's fucking amazing. It's one of the only industries I know that's like that. It it's does incredible. draw some weirdos, though. Oh, there's always weirdo, yeah. but weirdos are fun. I'm, You're a fucking weirdo, Chris. Jesus. Case study on that one, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, so, so here's the best part. Before we conclude this, there, <laughs> there's a series of images <laughs> that you sent me oh, yeah. that are going to go to fucking great use. I showed them to Chris, and I thought he was going to oh, crap himself. I'm going <laughs> so to. Funny. If, if I can get your consent, I want to use one on the cover of your poster. Oh, that's graphic. why I sent it to you. Yeah, yeah. that's why it was sent. Okay. Like, yeah, that, that was um, the consent. It was the fact that he even fucking texted me is the consent. <laughs> like, you know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so there's a little bit of a story to that image. So um, let me, if you would allow me another five minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hell yeah, dude. You, you got all the time in the world, dude. So. When I uh, when I contract with somebody and the relationship's going well, um, I there's a tradition in my family at least, um, and I know that this is a tradition in, in many other families and industries as well. But we do a challenge coin in my family now. My grandfather is a silver collector. He's collected silver dollars since he was a little boy, and he got me into it. So I've been collecting silver dollars for God thirty years now, and uh, my grandfather. He, he's still around. He's still with us, uh, to the much to the chagrin of the authorities and my my family. He's still around. <laughs> but he gave me his silver dollar collection, so I have this huge collection of silver. And um, I always have a piece of silver in my pocket that reminds me of my grandfather's from his collection. So a few years ago, I would peel off some of the silver and I would hand it to one of my clients or close friends and say, "Hey, man." Keep this in the pocket. Keep this with you. It's a challenge coin. And it just, it's a little bit of a reminder of my trust and faith in you and yours and mine. And You know, we, I'm always with you and you're always with me. And I gave Ram one of these pieces of silver about a year into our uh, engagement. And he keeps it with him. It's, uh, it's, I think it's, a eight, it's eight from the 1800s. I want to say it's, a, it's an 1894. Don't quote me on that. Damn. Uh, it could be in the 1890. And he wanted to do something similar for me. So this year for Semana Santa, uh, that's a kind of a holy week in the Dominican Republic. He took off and he went to Mexico. He went to actually on a tour of Mexico City. And when he's hanging out there, he went on some like little canal boat tours of the outside of the city. And he bought one of those giant Mexican sombreros <laughs> and he brought it for me. So we were in Salt Lake City. We were doing a little bit of a road show out there at a, uh, an event to go to in Colorado. So we landed in Salt Lake City, and he presents me with this giant sombrero. That's, you saw it. It's probably it's, four feet across. It's a Huge. big and fucking sombrero. <laughs> weighs like 10 pounds. Uh, but he brought it from Mexico to the DR and from the DR all the way to Salt Lake City. And he presents it to me. He says, I want you to keep this with you at all times. Because <laughs> much like that piece of silver that your grandfather bequeathed you, I want you to keep it with you. I know you can't fold it up in your pockets. You're going to have to leave it on your head all the time. So 
I took those photos for him, you know, just to, so you could see that I always have it with me, um, which is not true. I left it in Colorado, was not carrying that thing on the plane. But, um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, it was a fun photo and I wanted to share that with you guys because it's really kind of a piece of my personality. Oh, I just, yeah. Oh, I have fun, you know. Very We're not trying so. to cure world hunger here. We're not trying to solve the AIDS puzzle. We're just having fun, smoking cigars, having a good conversation, trying to get through life one cigar at a time. It oh, is yeah. It is very, so there is definitely that side of you, which we know very well, that you are very fun and very jovial. You love to have a good time. Your your laugh is infectious. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fucking love your laugh. But in addition to that. I thought it was that, the herpes that was infectious. <laughs> <laughs> that, that too, but. You know, we keep that hush. That's between us. Um, but in addition to that, you are you are actually you're very wise. You're full of fucking wisdom, and it's not like you're not an old guy, right? Like people are like, oh, he's so wise and full of wisdom. And you think about like a sixty five year old dude or older with a beard. You're not that. Like you're very fun, very energetic, but you're very intelligent and you're great conversationalist. Like. Dude, literally could pick your brain for hours. And in the last instance, a literal days yeah. where I was just like, mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. know more. And so it's like that conversation. It's it's a beautiful thing that you're able to have kind of all of that together as opposed to just bits and pieces. Because sometimes it gets to be really mundane if you talk to someone who's very narrow in their conversation. But it's like, dude, we can have fun. And also, you're real smart at the same time. It's the best, best of both worlds. Thank you. I've been very, very fortunate in my professional and personal life to be surrounded by older, more wise people than I. And um, I learned at a young age just to sit down and shut up and listen. I mean, my, mm-hmm. my father was Navy, um, and he kind of taught me that little lesson. You know, you don't know nothing. Drop and give me 20. And uh, I've carried that with me into adulthood in my professional career. And it's probably been one of the best strategic advantages I've ever brought to the table, which is I don't say much until it's my time to speak. Dude, Uh, you fucking know. I know that I don't know much, especially when it comes to the cigar business, tobacco. Man, anytime I go anywhere, whether it be at a retail location or the factories, I just sit down and I, and I listen. I ask a question, much like you guys, and I shut up. And I just say, tell me about this. Because these people know so much more than I do. They're the experts. I'll never be an expert. But at least I'll be conversant in my industry mm-hmm. and understand a little bit more about the depth and character of a particular thing, whether it be the tobacco or the soil or the process. And... Um, for example, I, I had a, a great opportunity several years ago. I've had a couple of these with, with Hanky Kellner, but I had a great opportunity to talk about Anduyo Tobacco with Hanky himself. And for the next 45 minutes, he didn't take a breath. He just talked about Anduyo Tobacco. I didn't know he knew so much about Anduyo. I came out of that lunch with a full belly and a full head. I couldn't believe there's so much to learn about one particular small strain, like just a, a little type of process that goes into the Anduyo tobacco. So I've been fortunate to sit down with people who are willing to open up to me and talk to me about their life, about their trade, and about what they wish things would be like. And thank you guys for, for noticing that. But really, it's just the credit all goes to these guys. Because frankly, I, 
I'm just a jack of all trades. I'm a master of none. Yeah, we feel the same way about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we know a lot about a little. <laughs> like we're or we know a little yeah. about a lot, however you want to phrase that. But we're I mean, it's weird that there's so much to learn in this industry and, and all of it just goes into like you said, asking a question, shut up and listening, being able to absorb and di- digest an immense amount of information, which is always continual, right? This there's yeah. not there's not one person I know that I've met in this industry that knows everything. Not one fucking person. And they're going to keep learning and then that's going to be handed off and this person's going to keep learning. The industry's going to change and we're all going to learn as a result of change. It's like there's there's no end to it, which I think is probably one of the most fascinating things about the cigar industry is that there really is no end. There isn't a master of anything. You just keep learning and you keep growing and it keeps evolving. It's It's incredible. Yeah. You said it best. God damn it, I did, didn't I? That felt good. That felt good as it was coming out. It was awesome. It's one hell of a speech. I felt, dude, it felt. I should just, I'm cutting everything out and just, I'm just going to drop that in. Yeah. Beautiful. Corey Chris 2020, baby. Oh, dude. Oh, hell yeah. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to talk about some cigar ideas of ours offline, too, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you guys ask me what about when I'm going to come out with my own blend. What about you guys? You guys uh, have the audience. You guys have the platform. We actually, you guys have the experience. You guys even have your own cigar blend. You know Tell how many... F- you- oh, by the way, I have one left. I smoked uh, all the rest. So, hey, so you know how many I have left? All of them. No, yeah, I, I haven't smoked one, and and it's at, dude, I'm a fucking collector. I'm a weird person. Like, I will smoke one. I promise you. But here's the thing, I <laughs> I can't tell you. And obviously, they're not for sale. I've had so many people that are like, "I'll fucking buy those," and I was like, "No, the fuck you will buy those. Those are mine, bitch. That's got my face on it." <laughs> I literally smoked one every thirty days to see how much it Did changed. You? Yeah, I uh, smoked one as soon as I got home. By the way, this is not an exaggeration. And I love to hate everything Chris does. So this, his cigar was so goddamn good. I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know why, but the one that I smoked, I was like, fuck dude, this is really good. And I'm kind of angry about it because I know mine isn't going to be as good. <laughs> and that's why I haven't fucking smoked it yet. Cause I don't want him to beat me because I'm going to have to be honest with myself and him if his is better. And I don't want to go down that path. His cigar was fucking good. And I love that Vitola too. It's like yeah. it was fucking great. Now it looked a little wonky because he hey, fucked up the construction. <laughs> I was runner up, but it smoked great. It never went out, dude. Crazy enough, crazy enough. The fucking the burn point on it, dude, was amazing. It, it peaked perfectly. It had that perfect peak, and it was real red. Had, and it was like, God damn, this is great. What did I have? I had uh, uh, six. Oh, fifty percent lejero, forty um, percent seco, and ten percent viso. It whatever it was, it fucking turned out great. And I will, I will try mine. Amazing. But I'm conceding the fact that mine is probably going to be subpar because they they look like a bunch of little roll up Frankenstein's. <laughs> like I did not. Yeah, they're pretty. That's for sure. I definitely. <laughs> I fucked it up. I'm telling you, that guy who was helping me was probably like, "Who in the fuck is this asshole? And and why does he have no dexterity in his fingers at all?" <laughs> it was, but dude, the whole process was fun and. So great question about what we, I don't know what we want to do long-term. We do, and it's always been a dream of art. Chris and I have actually, we've bounced some concepts, like certain concepts for like branding and names off of one another. It's the blend, and it's like really going through the process of whether or not when's the right time. We know we want to do something like that, and it's something that we definitely want to discuss with you further because we've talked about it before. 
Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a great question, but I don't really have a good answer for it. I feel like it's a definitive future thing. Yeah. Like we've, we could tell it's forecasted and it'll happen. It's just, we have no idea exactly when. People have been asking us though. That's the weird thing. Without us generating any interest on our own, we've had a lot of people like, when are you guys going to do that? And it's like, Dude, just us know. smoking our own blends that we made at the LRT stuff. It was weird, dude. I had yeah. so many people were like, I'll buy some off of you. And I was like, the fuck you will. That's that's for my enjoyment. Like, I still want to split those with the guys we went with. Like, I need to mail some out so they can oh, try them. Oh, fuck. I didn't share mine with now, any Chris, of them. Chris is the most selfish human being on earth. I guarded it. Uh. <laughs> 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 fuck it. Yeah, he's like, no, nah, I'm just, and everyone else can fuck off. <laughs> like, this, this is all for myself. <laughs> Well, dude, this has been a complete fucking joy. And I'll be honest with you. It has been a very trying week. So this is a 100% the highlight of my week is getting a yeah. chance to spend an hour and a half with you. No joke. So yep. I greatly appreciate it. I know you've carved out time and I know you're busy as shit. So it is much, much, much appreciated on our end. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentlemen, the pleasure was all mine. I mean, frankly, like having this on a Friday like we did it, it was perfect because much like you guys, my week was complete chaos and it's been like that for like the last month or so mm-hmm. just the ipcpr the new stuff all the things we got going on right and um this was something i was absolutely looking forward today to doing and you know you know i love you guys and i love what you guys are doing um i've seen you guys grow i've seen your audience embrace you guys um and i think that you guys are trending in the right direction with everything so please keep doing what you're doing get better get improved but just don't change. Keep doing what you guys are doing because frankly, like the, the business, the consumer, the manufacturers, they need what you guys are doing. It's harder and harder these days to get the word out there and the way you guys do it, the way you deliver it, you're so honest, you're so uh, clear <laughs> with delivery. If you don't like something, you let them know, you know, yep. and that's, that's my style. So we share a lot of the similar values and uh, I think you guys are going to continue to do fantastic and I'd love to come back on and maybe a few months, maybe bring Ramrod back Fuck yeah, uh, man. and I'd love to do it live. We'll bring some cowbell, oh, we'll bring some oh, booze oh, and uh, we're ever in the area, man. I mean, shoot, I'll be out there. That's yeah, I'll, I'll my cowboy hat on and my board <laughs> shorts and no, no shirt. I'll do that... it just like Burt Kreischer. <laughs> Go Dude, shirtless. That's right. You listen Bert, to some you of. Have a cigar. Let me know. You love yeah. the same comedians that I love, and you have you have um, Oxnard. Is that Levity Live out there? Is that what it yeah, is? Levity Live. It's like, it's like yeah. a mile from my house. It's dangerous. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. You listen to all the same comedians yeah. I do. That's I fucking forgot about that, but that makes oh, me love dude. you even more. Oh my god! So Theo that Vaughn. I saw yeah. Theo Vaughn. I did too. He was on stage, and I'm gonna tell you, I, as much as I like the Levity Live concept. The folks over there really screwed him out of a very good show. I yeah. don't, I didn't feel slighted at all, but they really like nipple twisted him on some stuff. And I'd say that Theo should never give these guys another chance because they screwed him so bad. You know, Theo, he's a little shaky. I know? think he's, he's a little fragile. I think he talked and about that show him. on his podcast, if I remember correctly, yeah. and how disappointed they he was. With him, because he had like two openers for the first show, yeah. for the, uh, the show that I went, the last show of the night, they brought out five guys and they cut his time down to like 30 minutes. That's bullshit. And he dude, was that, shaking. That yeah, dude, garbage. He fucking so, needs dude, an you hour. got my love. You didn't screw up, man. They didn't. Yeah, dude. He wow. is the best. I saw him in Columbus about six months ago and it was, yeah. he, I mean, he hugged my wife and my wife's like, all but said like, I want to bang that guy. And I was just like, I will bang, <laughs> I will bang him. <laughs> 
I was like, I will fuck him with you or just watch. I'm not really sure. It doesn't matter really. It just, if I can watch and maybe tug on his fucking mullet a little bit, it's all good. Yeah, you want to get that, that party in the back. Oh, dude, he's oh, got yeah. the party in the back, all business in the front. I fucking love that guy. I totally <laughs> forgot that we shared a, a love for the same type of comedy, which makes it even better. And we will table that definitely for the next podcast. Would love to do something live. We've not done one live yet. We've been offered, like, there's certain shops that are like, you can do a live one in our shop and, like, co like in a co-hosted event. And it's just the logistics of it have been kind of troubling sure, and getting sure. the site launched. But long term, it's definitely something that we want to do. And I would love to do the first live one with you guys. I think that would be fucking amazing. Dude. Let's set it up, guys. A hundred percent. Well, dude, enjoy your fucking lovely California weather. Yeah, it's beautiful no. in Ohio right now for the first time in two weeks. So I'm going to take advantage and probably lay outside with my cowboy hat on, get a little tan on, yeah. get my board shorts on, and uh, you and I will be like in unison in the world. It'll be perfect. <laughs> Have you ever just thought Sounds about good. looking up when the moon's up in the star and thinking that someone else is looking at that moon <laughs> at the same time you are? <laughs> yeah, you do American Tail style. Baby. I fucking love it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. K, Kevin, my friend, yeah, we love you to death. Thank you so much for being on, and um, let's keep in touch. Let us know how IPCPR. We may we may do a little quick thing post IPCPR if you have time. Um, we'll be yeah. keeping an eye out for everything. And uh, again, man, love you and appreciate yep. you being on. It's been awesome. Uh, guys, thank you so much. I'm about ready to take my board shorts off and lay out here butt naked until <laughs> the gardener shows up. My uh, man. Perfect. My yeah. man. I love it. <laughs> well, enjoy the afternoon yeah, and enjoy the thank weekend, you. man. All right, bud. Have a great summer. Yeah, See thanks, bud. Bye -bye. See ya. All right. Man, oh, man. Mm -hmm. Dude, one of my favorite fucking people of all time to talk to. Same. And you know what? He said something very poignant, which I tend to do almost every time we do an interview. When I tell my son this, like, all the time, when he is just rambling, and I'm like, if you're talking, you're not listening. Yep. That's true. It's very true. It's, it's weird, because he said that, and it was like, I, was like, I always talk about 100%, my... 100%. Yeah. I always talk about my experience in sales, which is very much the same thing. And I don't even... It's, it's weird to say that it's sales. It's just, that's life. Like, conversations you have with people is... You be, I, I am naturally an inquisitive person, so I ask a ton of questions. And sometimes I know it comes off annoying, but it's because I'm genuinely curious about stuff, which translates well to my job, mm -hmm. but even in my personal life more so. And it's, it's the same thing. And I, I love the connection that we've created with him over the course of a few years. Him and Ram has been absolutely fucking wonderful. A pleasure to talk to someone that I consider... And I know he doesn't give himself a lot of credit in terms of knowing as much as he does. He fucking knows a shit ton yes, about cigars. Like I've learned so much from Kevin over that period of time, just asking questions and he's, he's explored things. He's been to other countries. He understands how things work in the industry. And to me, there's an invaluable knowledge there that it's like, I want to get to that level. And as he continues getting to a higher level, it's like, just kind of want to be moving right along that always mm -hmm. continually learning digesting information and also being humble at the same time it's like you and i are he, he's we, we one hell a, of a host too oh my god yeah so much fucking fun to hang out with got his shit together it's i mean again like a hidden like almost like the wizard of oz he's he does so much more in the background that people don't recognize or see where it's like all these things that move forward he's got his hands in it's really strange and i'm glad he was able to kind of tell how he got into the cigar industry from the beginning of the podcast because it's things that we've known but not a lot of people know how much he's actually been involved in it's pretty incredible the or story's even, awesome even where to start because i know there's to gotta be people that are interested like well 
I love cigars. And a lot of people, when they have hobbies, they sometimes make careers out of them. Yeah. Because it's sure. what they love to do. So it's kind of, it's, it's, from all the interviews we've ever had, it's awesome to hear the progression of a hobbyist turned careerist. Right. If that's even a word. Right. And, and just seeing all the different variations of how that came to be. Right. But common denominator, it was smoking a fucking cigar. Right. That was it. Man. That was it's all like it was. Getting, it's it's kind of similar to like the way Skip got into the industry. Walks into, doesn't know anything about cigars, walks in, wants to smoke one, yeah. picks up the latest issue of Cigar Aficionado type thing, and then is forever hooked, right? Yep. First yep. experience, probably almost pass out, throw up, whatever. We've all been there. I Every see, one yeah. of us has been there. Unless oh, yeah. you were born into the family, you've been smoking since you were four. Oh, I've straight vomited. You just bleh. Yep. But it's weird how that particular instance does mm. two things. It either turns you off from cigars or it gets you immediately ingrained. The one thing kind of crazy he said that I have not applied, but I did think about it was the, um, what's the word? Uh, bird. No, the kind of gift wrap gift wrapped entry into doing business with people. Like when he talked about giving people cigars, mm-hmm as a means to like a friendly gesture of yeah. business. It's like a weird symbolic connection you can make with someone. I've thought about doing it, but I've never done it. And cause there's some clients that I naturally will talk about myself sure. when they talk about themselves just to just find commonalities and personality types. Cause a lot of business is constructed out of relationships. Of course. So the more you know about someone and, and the more you can find connections it makes business even better. Right. And I I often will talk about me smoking cigars mm-hmm. when I when I do business and some people obviously are like oh I've never smoked one and some people are like yeah I, I smoke cigars pr- pretty occasionally and, I should do something with that and people want it's weird too because I just on the back half of my trip to Orlando which an IPCR in our world with cigars is the largest industry trade show and the world of my professional career which is Infocom is the largest trade show I mean yeah forty thousand fucking attendees over the course of three and a half days it's fucking crazy it's nuts and it is an industry full of old white dudes a lot of them who smoke cigars now they smoke cigars they don't know a lot about cigars so i went to um i think i already did a shout on the last episode uh corona cigar company in Mm -hmm. orlando where a lot of these i these uh infocom folks were going to after the shows which of course i did as well and it was cool because I could have conversations with people in the same industry as me, but also I have a level of knowledge around cigars where it was like I was able to help people navigate. Yeah. What are you going to smoke? What's really good type thing? There was a couple guys who were, uh, I, they were searching for something in particular, and I don't know if they had it, but I was just kind of standing next to him, and I, I at the time was looking at the um, the Dunbarton and Trusta, uh, the Sober Mesa. It's one of my favorite yeah. cigars to smoke right now. And uh, I, I literally, standing next to him, I was like, hey, if you like that cigar that you're looking for, and I forget what it was, it was like, you would really like this one. And the guy's like, dude, thanks for the recommendation. That's fucking awesome. It was really cool just to kind of have those conversations, you know, with people who may not enjoy cigars to the hobbyist degree that we do, but enjoy them enough to smoke them and they know what they kind of like. And it's cool to have the knowledge to be able to point them in a certain yeah, direction. Yeah. It's very fun. But this was a wonderful conversation. Fucking love Kevin to death. Yeah. Can't wait to talk to him again. Um, but that, that'll definitely conclude this episode. It will. Yeah, it's cool. I feel good. A one, a great episode 105. I had a really shitty week up until now. You did too. This is definitely has raised, has elevated my week, which is why I love doing now, the podcast. Before I would have set the BMV, BMV on fire and had a fucking 
mean face. Are you going to deliver them flowers now? Now, I would still burn it, but I'd have a smile on my face. Right. And you're like, you're all going to die. <laughs> I still feel good, though. <laughs> but it's great. I feel wonderful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You should burn that shit down. Fuck those people. But anyway, um, that concludes episode 105. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And um, th- it's, dude, for the first time literally in two weeks, it's sunny out. It feels great. I think I'm going to spend some time outside working. It's going to be fantastic. I'm currently looking at my nephew, who's a little turd Ferguson, but I love him to death. Um, I can't read your lips. <laughs> he's such a cute kid. I love it. Um, but anyway, we'll be back at you guys next week, next week, yeah. which will be IPCPRs coming up. So we're going to have some IPCPR recap type stuff. I've got another guest that I'm lining up for a couple weeks from now, which is going to be a good one. So stay tuned for some really good upcoming episodes. And thanks everybody for listening. Again, we'll be back at you next week with episode 106. See everyone. Thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. How can you get a hold of us? You can get a hold of myself on Instagram at the Hot Ticket Pod. You can get a hold of Chris on Instagram at Hot Ticket Chris. Please also, if you could, visit our website, hotticketweekly.com for news, reviews, interviews, and more. And please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it. In addition to being on iTunes, we're also on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podomatic, anywhere where you can find podcasts. Again, thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back at you next week.